Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In our gospel lesson today, we meet a rich man who wants to just keep piling up his riches. You might think of someone like uh, Charles Dickens' Ebenezer Scrooge. A tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Indeed, the name Scrooge has become synonymous with miserliness. But that's not the correct picture for this rich man. Not the one from our gospel lesson. This rich man is not despised by his friends. He's not looked down upon by his neighbors. He's actually a respectable member of the community. And Jesus, if you pay attention, Jesus cites no fault in his conduct here. There's no stealing. There's no extortion. No corruption. You might even say that the world looks favorably upon this man. Think of someone who minds their own business. They just... They work hard and they save. They pay their bills. They're honest in their dealings. You might even think of such a person as a pillar in the community. That is who this picture is of. So push Scrooge from your mind and think of that person, honest in their dealings, responsible, saving their money. Now that you have a clear picture, let's examine what else we know about him. Well, he is selfish. How do we know that? Well, is it because he has a lot of wealth? No. Abraham had a lot of wealth. Was Abraham selfish? Think about Abraham and Lot as they stood looking out over the land. And Abraham said to his nephew, hey, you pick which side you want. He wasn't selfish, but God had blessed him materially. So this rich man, it's not that he's, uh, it's not that he has wealth that makes him selfish. Actually, look again at the text. The land produced plentifully. Actually, God had blessed him with this. Nevertheless, This man is selfish. And why do I say that? Well, because, listen to this. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, this is, the, this is the one that just, gosh, I mean, it's, it's, it would be comical if it wasn't so tragic. He actually has a conversation with his own soul. Soul? I mean, he's consulting with his own soul. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now just sit back, relax. Eat, drink, be merry. 
This is the self-centeredness of this person. He's actually consulting with his own soul, or he thinks he is. I don't, I don't think he really is. But he's fixated on himself to the point where he even addresses his own soul. And he makes pronouncements about what? He makes pronouncements upon the blessedness that he will now bestow upon himself. Soul, you are blessed. So now you just sit back and enjoy all that I have stored up for you. This is, this is what he was saying. He speaks to his soul as though his soul is a material thing, as though his soul is going to benefit from all that he has stored up for him. See, that's why I don't, I don't think he understands his soul when he carries on this conversation with himself. Essentially, he's denying that his soul is eternal. He thinks that his soul will benefit from the amassing of this great fortune. And what does Jesus say? Fool, fool. That man is a fool thinking that this earthly life is everything. This is all that there is, what you see around us. It's like Carl Sagan, right, in in his uh, series, blasphemous series. He says, the cosmos, all that ever was or ever will be. I'm paraphrasing, but the arrogance you know, to look into the scars to the stars that reveal the glory and majesty of God and to say, just stardust. But that's this man. And Jesus says, you're a fool. Jesus goes on to say, this night, this night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All this wealth that man has been blessed with is left behind where his soul cannot benefit from it. And who's it going to be left to? Well, who knows? Perhaps there are two brothers, two sons of his that will quarrel over who should inherit it. I mean, that's what started this whole thing is a brother. One of the one of two boys comes to Jesus and says, can you settle a dispute? And that was a legitimate thing to ask. You, you would uh, oftentimes, you would go to a rabbi who would settle a dispute when you, when you have a dispute about how the law should be interpreted. So it was a reasonable thing, but who knows? Perhaps that's what, what happens. His, he, he dies tonight, and now you have his two heirs fighting over his fortune. But one thing's for sure, his soul will not benefit from it. All right. Perhaps you're wondering how you measure up to this example. Pastor, it's okay for me to have a 401k, right? I mean, it's responsible to have a retirement investment. That's okay, right? Uh, What am I supposed to do? Just give all my money away? Give everything away? I mean, wouldn't that be irresponsible if I did that? Keep asking yourself those questions. Just don't expect me or Jesus to give you an answer on that. It's meant to be something that you think about. I mean, I wish it were so easy that I could just say, as uh, one of my my mother's pastors, uh, when she was a kid, uh, said, save 10%, give 10%, and spend the rest joyfully. I mean, that's fine. That's your system, whatever. It's really nice. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not not giving us a system of how much is ours and how much is his and how much we need to give away. He's he's not doing that. 
He's not going to indulge us with an answer to that question. Everyone must decide for themselves what is right. That came out wrong. (laughs) Everyone must decide for themselves what God's will for them is, recognizing that all of these things are a blessing from God. All that we have is a blessing from God. All right, so sorry, there's no set rule. I'm not just going to give you a rule on what to follow. Although that's not to pick on my mom, but my, that's, my mom loves rules. She'll be the first to tell you. She loves rules that she can follow. So she loved to get that rule. So it was like, okay, that's the rule. That's what I'll do. So sorry, nope, not going to give you a rule. It's more about the condition of your heart. All that you have is a gift from God, and even the wealthiest person in the world is living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, if you will. Oh, they have plenty of money stored up so that they're not literally living paycheck to paycheck. But figuratively, yeah, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because every single breath that they take is a very gift from God given to them. I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The, the ancients, they had this idea that the sun is like pulled across the sky by a chariot. They were closer to the truth than many people are today because we have it in our minds that all of these things are just happening and we take it for granted. No, God is causing all of this to happen every single moment. You don't exist for one fraction of a millisecond without God's say-so. Everything is God's. Everything is God's. Of course, the law demands that you all be good stewards of these gifts that you receive from the hands of God. God's word through the prophet Zechariah. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, Or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. And this isn't an isolated word from God. Mercy, kindness, compassion upon those that are in need all around us is throughout the scripture. It's an absolute expectation. Of course, we are to do that. God calls for compassion, for mercy, for generosity toward those that are in need. So then you might ask, well, is that then what it means to be rich toward God? Am I rich toward God if I like give so much, like I give until it hurts? Is that being rich toward God? No, that's not the right thing either. I mean, if, if you were to conclude that, that would be a sort of self-righteousness. Oh, it's, it's well, I, I know how much I give. I give a lot. I give a lot. And that's, that's earning me cred, street cred. You know, because I'm out there giving a lot. I'm all in favor of that, obviously. I mean, that's, that's, that's all fine. Just don't, don't think that that's some, there's some kind of righteousness you get from that. And that's not what it means to be rich toward God. <clears throat> God is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so generous and so compassionate that, of course, it stands to reason that those of us who have been called by God and enlivened with faith would reflect that compassion and mercy. But do you see the order of that? 
See, that's coming as a result of what God has done in my heart. I'm not doing it to earn favor from God. That is the big difference. So what does it mean then to be rich toward God? I mean, after all, that's what we're really driving down to. That's what Jesus is talking about is being rich toward God. Being rich toward God means to receive the heavenly blessings that God freely offers. I mean, these heavenly blessings are food for your soul. The word of God. God's word poured out on us that gives us faith and life. This sacrament that you receive that gives you faith and life. God's word of promise. Desiring that, wanting that, and seeing in that, in in God's word and in the sacraments, seeing God's gracious disposition toward us, that is being rich toward God. That is what it means to be rich toward God, is to receive these things with faith and to cling to these things. Not to cling to this wealth that you can store up in a barn and then like that is gone. Not to cling to that, but to cling to the riches that Christ, that we have in Christ. That's what it means to be rich toward God. By the way, you see, I slipped in the bulletin today, a little picture. This is a little art study for you. This is a painting by Eugene Bernand, and he was a Swiss painter. And on the front page, you see, here's the man, the rich fool. He's sitting there counting all his money bags. You can see he's got a furrowed brow. He's thinking, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to build these big barns and everything's going to be piled up inside. And I'm going to live high on the hog for the rest of my life. That's what he's saying. And then guess what? Uh Uh-oh. Turn it around. Tonight, you fool, you die. And then what's to be left with all these money bags? It's a really good picture. I love it. That's why I put it in there. I thought it it helped to, to, to convey the sentiment here. Being rich toward God is receiving these blessings that he gives us. I mean, this the blessings that that we have in Christ are far more, far more than any earthly blessing you could ever receive. Far surpasses. Jesus Christ has suffered and died for your sins. He who is blameless, Christ, has given his life for you, a ransom for you who are not blameless. Receive this gift. Receive the gift of eternal life. Pay no account of the riches that you currently possess or that you lack. This applies to the rich, the poor, and everything in between. It's not about that. It's about the blessing that we most certainly have in Christ Jesus. Cling to that. Receive that and hold on to that above all else. That is what is most precious. Take hold of Jesus Christ, not these ephemeral and fleeting things. Take hold of Christ and his vicarious substitutionary atonement for your sins. That is what it means to be rich toward God. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.